He called me last night to see what I was going to look like. So you'll have somebody who looks like me, except just a little uglier, but that's going to be okay. But it's going to be a good day. We're excited for Taylor to preach. We're excited for him to bring the Word of God. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for him. Then we're going to dive in. How's that sound? Okay, here's what I want you all to do. Prepare yourselves for what God's about to do. Okay, that means letting everything down. It's just like that song. It's so cool because the most beautiful transformation comes from the absolute worst times in your life. Right, like he was talking about Esther and how she wrote this song on vacation after her dad passed away on vacation. Right, like it's a beautiful reminder that in the tragedy, in the destruction, the most beautiful thing that's ever been accomplished, the most beautiful thing that's ever been done was the death of Jesus Christ. And because of that, he brings transformation to even the things that seem like they're gonna, that you can't go another step further. Even the things where you feel like, man, I can't handle this. Jesus says it's okay because I'll handle it for you. Right, the most beautiful things come from that. It's funny because a year ago, uh, when I met with Isaac, he was talking about this girl named Esther, and God gave me a vision of his little girl, and I was like, okay, God, what's this going to look like? Like, why are you giving me this vision of this black-headed girl, and what, what do you want me to do with that? And so instantly the Lord was like, you're going to have another baby. And I was like, okay, God, well, you do it, because you know the situation that me and Sarah got. It's really hard for us to have kids. And then two weeks ago, we found out we're having another baby. Yeah. So we found out a couple weeks ago, and Sarah's 12 weeks pregnant, so when you see her, tell her how excited you are for her, but we're excited to bring another baby into the kingdom due August 12th, so we're going to have another little, it's going to be a little girl, we haven't found out yet, but because God gave me that vision, I already know, so uh, we're going to have a little girl, and the cool thing about it is her name's going to be Esther, because when God gave me that vision, I just knew it. Right? Like I told Isaac, I, I was sitting with Isaac, and I was like, Isaac, I don't know why, but God gave me a vision of this little girl. And then we met this week, and I was like, Isaac, I know why God gave me that vision of that little girl. <laughs> now, if it's a little boy, we're going to have some situation. I don't know what, I don't know what so, But I trust God. So as we bring the word today, I want you guys to remember that God does the remarkable. God takes the worst situations and makes them good. And God takes things that we don't understand in the moment, and he lays a full detail plan for the future. Just because you don't understand it in the moment doesn't mean that God's not working. Just because it hurts in the moment doesn't mean that God's not transforming. If you all bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Father God, we thank you for Taylor. We thank you for his heart. We thank you for his story of transformation, Father God, from not knowing you, from no self-worth, to a, create, a creature of you, Father God, a man of God who devotes himself to you, who seeks you, and to glorify you. Father God, I pray that his words would be nothing more than an amplification of your voice, that your word would do the speaking, that your spirit would make known everything that you want everybody in this room to hear today, Father God. And more than that, it would provoke us to go and to share the story of your glory. Father God, we would share the story of your glory, how it's transformed us, how it can transform them. And Father God, let us remember there's nothing sweeter than the power of transformation in your spirit. Father God, speak through Taylor, help our hearts be open, and uh, just give us the transformation that we need for another day. Father God, give us the vision that we need for another day. Lord God, give us the endurance and the strength that we need to show the world who you are. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Good morning, guys. Funny thing is that four years ago I moved here, they thought me and him looked alike, so I guess they're saying he's just as ugly as me, too, so I guess we're okay with that. Sorry, uh, uh, But uh, another quick thing, I've been really trying to understand who Boaz was before he met Ruth. Do you guys, I mean, I, I can't... Put a, a, my finger on it, but apparently he was ruthless before he met Ruth. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Did you guys get it? Yeah, I tried to do a little icebreaker. Sometimes I get up, I thought so. 
Some yeah. Bible joke. Yeah. Christian comedian here. I'm just kidding. I probably will be up there on stage doing Christian jokes. We know that now. I know. No one laughed. <laughs> told me they were going to laugh. No one didn't. I'm here and I only got one little. <laughs> so, but I'll take it. But I'll take it. Hey, as you guys know, we're in this whole year process of a, a transformation. And transformation, you know, is, is, is change. It's seeing change over time and, and, and right then and there, too, as well. And it's, a, it's become one of my favorite words because as we all are sitting here, um, God has transformed us in some way, shape, or form entirely into a new creation in Jesus, okay? But also today, we get to celebrate um, a transformed heart. Uh, today, we're going to have another baptism. Um, and what is awesome about that, that is an outward expression of an inward change. So transformation is happening in that person's heart because Jesus Christ. So today we're going to look closer at that. And today we're going to look at sacrificing for transformation of the heart. So that's the, the viewpoint of this whole passage of this topic today is sacrificing for transformation of the heart. And, you know, we all have heard sacrifice in our life. We've all heard it. Whether it be in sports, whether it be, you know, from parenting and just things with school and stuff like that. But if you really look at the definition of sacrifice. So I was curious this week, and I said, well, I'm looking at the definition of sacrifice. And sacrifice is surrendering a possession as an offering to God. And now when it talks about possession, that doesn't mean something physical uh, or material always. That's emotional. Um, spiritual, anything that's that you possess. So think about this: something that you're holding on to, that you are holding on to, that's possession that you have control over. So maybe you're sitting here today, and there's something that you want to have control over. Maybe there's sin in your life, um, many things. Maybe a self-image, stuff like that. That I want you to be ready to take your hands off of and be ready to give up to God through this. In the story today, we're going to learn about Cain and Abel. And I know you guys know this story because it's a very famous story. It's one of the first times we hear of murder taking place. And as we see last week when Ricky talked about lies and how it comes in and lies can make us feel like it's truth because it fits our agenda today, I think that still ties in with sacrifice. Because when we want to make it easy to give something up to God, are we really giving a sacrifice to God? So as you know, we're in this 20 days of fasting or prayer for transformation. Today you've been through it with for one week, and I hope the Lord spoke to you during your time of prayer in that transformation. Because let me tell you, if it's been easy for you to give up something, I really, and this, and this has been me too, I had to really focus on not just social media. There was something else I had to give up too. If it's easy for you, is it really a sacrifice to God? Hmm. And that's what I want you to focus on today. If it's easy, is it really a sacrifice to God? So before we go ahead and dive in and I get into the thick of the story, let's go ahead and go to the Father in prayer one more time, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this time being here, Lord. Uh, it's as Isaac said, we feel unworthy being up here on the stage because your words are so magnificent and they give life. They breathe so many more things, too. And God, let us just stay humble in where we walk, Lord God. But Lord, let us just not stay the same as we enter here and when we leave today, Father. Lord, I pray that the posture of our heart is correct and it's, it's in a straight line with you. So they can be ready to hear what you have to say, Lord. Father, it's not what I've put together. It's not what I'm going to say, Lord. It's all about your words, Lord. So let nothing, let me be nothing but a microphone, a vessel for your spirit, Lord. I welcome it here. I welcome it in this sanctuary, Lord. I welcome it to 
fill these hearts today, Lord, to hear what you have to say. God, I'm so thankful for this moment, Lord, and I pray that there's hearts that are changed leaving here today. I pray this, and I lift this up in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, as you know, we're in Genesis, and we're going to be looking at Genesis 4, Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And like I said, I know through the history of being in church and stuff, you guys probably heard the story of Cain and Abel quite a lot. And I'm sure your parents told it to you when you were younger, and you were telling it to your kids too. And, but there's a lot of cool things that happen in this story. You see, Adam and Eve, finally, they've committed the first sin, and they've been casted out of the garden, and now they get ready to bear children and multiply. So here they have Cain, and then they have Abel. Now Cain is a worker of the ground. Abel becomes a shepherd. And see, through time, they come to give a sacrifice to God, an offering to God. And as they come together to give this offering, Abel gives from the first of, first of his flock, but in fat portions. And then Cain comes and gives what he's worked from the ground. Now, when they come to before God and they go to give their offering, God favors Abel's over Cain's. Now, you can imagine what Cain feels like, right? Especially if you have siblings. And if one sibling feels like you're favored over the other, what that's going to cost. So Cain starts to feel angry inside. And his face falls to the ground. He, it's like he's hanging in shame and sorrow. And God looks to him and says... What's wrong? For if you do well, will you not be accepted? Ask him a rhetorical question. If you do well, will you not be accepted? For if you don't, be careful. Because he says, if you don't do well, sin is crouching at your door. It is contrary to you. It means it's opposite to you. Its desire is opposite to you. Its desire is contrary to you. You must rule over it. God is speaking this to Cain. So Cain, leaving, still probably upset, still probably angered, gets his brother to go out into the field with him, and they're having a nice conversation. And I'm sure there was probably some words exchanged. It doesn't go into detail. But Cain acts out on his emotions. And Cain takes the life of his brother. So here we see the first human murder committed in the history of mankind. And he kills his brother. Now, God being who God is, comes to him and says, Cain, where's your bro? Where's he at? And he says, well, I don't know. Am I his keeper? And he says, what have you done? His blood cries from the ground. I can hear its voice. And basically, after this happens, God starts to look at Cain and starts to vocal his punishment now, vocalize what he has done and reiterates what he has done. And basically, it says that when you work the ground, it shall no longer yield its fruit to you. So if we look at this, I don't want to you have you thinking that Abel's sacrifice was so much better because he was a shepherd. Okay, that's not, that's not it. Farmers and shepherds, their work was what their duty was. Their offering to God would be the same, but the difference here is that Cain did not give from this. Cain did not give from this. You see, Cain was having a little bit of a selfish thing going on, but let's go ahead and dive into that scripture real fast and let's read it, okay? It says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought 
to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Man, those last words are powerful. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer of the earth. So we see this, and I was talking about Abel and Cain's sacrifice, but I want to focus on Abel's real fast. Abel, as it says, Cain and gave the firstborn of his flock and the fat portions. So think about this. If you're a shepherd and you have a flock of sheep, back in those days, that was their economy sort of. That was their their money exchange. Their livestock was a very important piece to their financials. So Abel, him having, let's say, 20 sheep, 15 of those sheep were of the fat portion. So the best of the best is what it's saying. He gave the best of the best of his first of his flock, the very first forms, the best of the best. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with those. The other ones that would be lame, maybe blotched, wool, stuff like that, those was what he kept. He gave a costly offering to God because he knew God was what, was, what that was what God can't speak, is what he believed God deserved. Now there's nothing we can do that can make, it says that our, our works are compared to dirty rags. You've heard Ricky make that comment before, but that was the posture of Abel's heart because of his love and his worship to God. Now Cain, being a worker of the ground, we can kind of see, it's funny because if we go back when Adam and Eve sinned, what did God tell Adam? The ground was going to yield you fruit, but it's going to be hard. It's going to be working hard. So I think in Cain's heart, he's like, man, I've busted my butt for this. I've worked my tail off for the fruits of this ground. I'm only going to give what's easy. I'm only going to give what I think God deserves. And in that, we start to see this right here that's being broken down, that's being tainted by sin, that's being tainted by uh, bad emotions. See, emotions are good. God gave us emotions for a reason, but as you see what he said to Cain, you must rule over them. So if we're looking at Cain's sacrifice, we see God have no regard for it. And of course we have to ask why, and we see that it was because Cain didn't want to give from his heart. He didn't want to give from the first fruits. He wasn't like his brother, and so in that it caused jealousy and anger towards his brother. Because Think about being a sibling at one point in time. If you have one sibling and one parent doesn't punish them but punishes you, you probably are thinking, like, whoa, they were tied to this, but they didn't do the, the bad stuff that I did. You see, that happens in my that happened in my household a lot. I got called the princess. I'm the oldest of them all, and I got called the princess. So you can kind of see where, where that was always kind of, kind of button heads. But she didn't kill me, so that was good. But... The focus of this is he did what was easy, and the sacrifice he made wasn't from a good heart. 
You see, our hearts are very important. It's what intertwines us in being vulnerable and intimate with God. And Haynes was being destroyed by his selfishness, his selfish desires. And he probably was believing a lie. The enemy was feeding him. And in turn, it caused him to do what he did. And the end result, we can see, was not what Cain was expecting when he came to God was offering. God didn't look at him with displeasurement and saying, I don't like you, I don't want you. God loved him, and God came to him, and God was trying to help him, right? God was trying to help him, to, to change his heart. He was giving him the very words of transformation, telling him what to do to allow his heart to not be sitting on this darkness. But obviously Cain didn't listen. Cain decided to stay in the, the part of what his emotions were, his anger and his jealousy. And, and in that, what happens is, is transformation can't take place. Transformation won't be able to take place. Because if you look back, with the love that's coming from God, the words of transformation, it says, the Lord said to Cain in verse 6, Why are you angry? And why is your face falling? If you do well, will you not be accepted? That's a rhetorical question that God asks. It's a rhetorical question. And God's trying to help him understand, look, you failed in this. It's okay. You're going to fail in life. But do not let that failure turn inward and cause destruction. Because what's waiting for you is the enemy. So imagine being at your front door and you see there's a wild, ravenous lion outside your door. But you don't know it's there. And you're upset inside and you're wanting to go somewhere and you, you something just happened you just got off the phone maybe with somebody and you're getting ready to go out that door and you've not dealt with this yet first before leaving. You've not God told you, hey, calm down. You don't probably need to be driving. You don't need to have this road rage. You don't need to be going out and doing things you probably shouldn't be doing. Correct this first. But you open the door, and this is what God says. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. That lion is waiting for you at that door, waiting to pounce on you, waiting to take you down with what emotion you're battling with, with what stone of a heart that you have. And God says its desire is opposite to you, but you must rule over it. Well, how do we rule over our emotions? How does one do that? Well, we have to sit with God when we hear him speaking to us and asking us questions and really listening to him. You see, God is God being who he is of loving and filled with grace and mercy. And that is displayed when he's warning Cain. Right? He's showing his mercy and his grace to Cain by uttering the very words of challenging him to be better. <clears throat> wanting him to be better. God's, were the, God's words were there. They never left. God never left Cain. It was probably easy for, God, for Cain to feel like he was left because of not feeling accepted, right? Have you ever felt like you've not been accepted in some way, some way shape, or form? Every person should... Yeah, it's, it's just a human nature thing. 
And I think that's why sometimes in today's world, we're so afraid to share the gospel of being rejected. But it's not you and your words. It is God's words that will hit their heart. Even if they look at you and say, no, I'm good. You still were there, and you still allowed yourself to be used by the Holy Spirit. Now, that's hard for you to do if you're not willing to come to the table and get everything up. It's like what Isaac said. Bring everything that you have that you've been dealing with through the week. Bring all the murkiness, the darkness, the muckiness with you into this place. This is a place where you will not be judged, but loved. God is here for you. God wants you. God wants to use you. Do you guys believe that? Do you guys believe that God wants to use you? Yeah. Louder. Do you, do you guys really feel that? Yeah. So I don't, so sometimes I think it's really hard for us to feel like God wants to use us, right? Especially when we fall into sin, right? Oh, that's tough. When we fall into sin, we, we, feel, we, feel this, we feel like this. We feel like we're down here. That we're small. And that we can't be used by God anymore. Well, correct the heart. God's there. His words are there. Go to for repentance. Change. Renewing. See, God was asking Cain to repent without saying it to him. Hey, listen to me. I'm breathing words of transformation to you. I'm trying to take away the very thing that's holding your heart, that's making it hard. Your jealousy, your anger, your strife towards your own brother because I accepted his offering. His offering was out of his goodness of his heart, a faithful heart. Yours was not. But as God being the true parent that he is, with love and affection, was trying to tell him this, to help him with this. And I can probably imagine that Satan was right there, pushing Cain further and further to not believe what his father was telling him. It's like what Rick talked about last week, believing the lies to have truth to fit our own agenda, right? You believe this lie about yourself about a situation because you're like, oh, this, was, this sounds good. This is what it really is. But in reality, what you're doing is you're pushing away what's really true in exchange for falseness, in exchange for something that's going to drag you down, that's going to put you in a place where Cain was. And I could probably say we've all been there in Cain's spot. Now, if you've killed somebody, come talk to me afterwards. We'll talk about that, all right? And we might get you into the psychiatrist and so we can do some things. On. But I'm saying that as a joke. But literally, what I mean is that if we don't have our hearts right, it is going to be so hard for God to want to – God wants to use us. But if we're going to sit there and say, hey, I don't want to give you everything that I have. And it's like what Ricky said at the very beginning of this transformation process, that we're in darkness and we're trying to reach one hand up. We're only giving one. We're only doing this, but we're not fully in. It's like diving, you're just putting a pinky in the pool. You're not diving all the way in. God's going to move, man, whether you're there or not. And he's not going to stop because the kingdom of heaven has already come in Jesus Christ, and he's coming again soon. And see, there are those who don't have that. There are those who don't have that. They don't have what you have. They don't have this hope. They don't have this mercy, this grace, this affection. From the Father in heaven. Because they've not accepted it yet. They've not received it. Because they've not maybe even heard of it yet. But if you continue to allow yourself to be like Cain. If you continue to let yourself not give everything that you have. To let God be able to transform this. This heart. 
It's a fleshly heart. It could be stoned, though. And he wants to turn it to flesh, not in the sense of fleshly desire, but in the sense of flesh of living. Living. You have life through Christ. He makes that heart start to beat for his people. The problem in this is that we see Cain's results when he commits what he does. We see what happens when he holds on to his emotions, on to his, his jealousy and his anger. And we'll look at verse 8 through uh, 12 real quick. It says, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and then when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my, am I my brother's keeper? I'm going to pause it real fast. Did he just get sarcastic with God? Right? He just got really sarcastic with, with his own father. I know I've been there. I got punished. <laughs> Back in the day, we got belts and, and stuff. I don't know. Kids now, I guess, time out and things taken away. It's a different time. But, but we got punished. Well, God is sitting here looking at Cain like, oh, my, oh, my. I asked you this because I already know what you did. You see, that's the omniscience and the omnipotence that God has. God asked him this because God wanted Cain to be vulnerable and intimate with him. Right? Vulnerability and intimacy is a prized, prized, prized gift to receive from the Father. You know who doesn't want you to have that vulnerable intimacy? The enemy. Want to lie? Because it's so powerful when it comes from the Lord. Right? It's your entire inner being. Imagine that. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about inside of you, your soul. Being infused with Christ and Holy and the Holy Spirit, being vulnerable and intimate with Him. That's powerful. And see, God wanted that with Cain right here. God wanted him to come, come confess his sin to him. Give up this jealousy, this anger, because I already know what you did. You killed your brother. But I want you to tell me. And yes, I know it's going to be hard because there's going to be repercussions for that. There will be repercussions for sin. But don't stay in it. Don't live in it. God comes to you and asks you. He's there for you. He wants to be there for you. He wants to build that vulnerability and that intimacy. It dials back to believing in the lies so that you believe that they're truths to fit your agenda. God doesn't want that for you. See, in the reality of this, what was so hard, why, why Cain's in this position, we're going to go back to the beginning of that. The reason why Cain's in this position in the first place is because his heart wasn't well. And you can just see that the continuing thing is the posture of his heart is just being wrecked by the flesh. He wasn't allowing God's words to correct his posture of heart. You see, if he allowed God to correct the words, if he allowed God's words to correct the posture of his heart, he probably wouldn't have done what he did to his brother and would have had a better chance to prove that his offering was costly. He could come back with a better one. He could come back with saying, God, I was bad, I was wrong, but God, you are so loving, you are so worthy, you've given me grace more than I deserve, and I, you, you, I owe you my life. <clears throat> Cain deflected God's question. Because of his hurt heart, because of his emotions. He was deflecting that. That sarcasm. He was using deflection. We've all been there too. We deflect towards God. 
Well, God, I gave up this. It was easy. What are you talking about? I'm doing it. What else do you want more from me? And I think that's a thing that we have portrayed our heart because what's easy is easy. And what's hard is something we don't want to do. Have you ever experienced a really, like, I'm talking about a really hard thing, like it could be work, school, Sarah I'm talking about. That's hard work. It could be something you, you've done outside working-wise. A hard thing that happened to you in your life. And what's easy is you're going to go with that route. Because as a society, it's what gets done to work faster and the easiest. We know God's not like that. God is not wanting you to race. He wants you to be on a marathon with him. He wants to take you through things to show you and teach you. To help you and heal you. So that you can be risen up to be able to do things for the kingdom. I said earlier at the beginning of this, there's some of us, or probably some of us sitting here today that in this time in the uh, prayer of transformation, this 28 days of giving up something, if it's easy, I really want you to sit here and look over the overview of this and really believe that's something that God has asked you to give up. And as you're sitting here, you've probably been in a time of your life, an experience that God has probably been telling you maybe for the last two months, six months, maybe a year, maybe many years, there's been something he's been asking you to give up. And you've only partially have done it. You've only done it because it was somewhat easy for you. You weren't ready to give all of it up. You see, I had that experience about, what, 15 months ago, Ricky? And... Most of you have heard my story. Most people I've sat and talked to you about what I've struggled with was alcohol. And in that, that was something that I looked at and I said, well, God, you took me out of bars. Your, your words, your scripture, everything that breathed life in my heart that day from four and a half years ago, you've made me new. I, I don't go to the bars. I'm not there. But I still love the taste of beer. So if I just control that and I have control over one or two, I think that's good enough. I think that's okay. <laughs> now hear me out. I'm not saying alcohol is a sin. When it becomes a sin is when you start to rely on it and it, you start to dive in so much that it becomes a, a lifestyle to the point of being drunk. Okay? I'm not saying alcohol is a sin. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying alcohol is a sin. I'm saying reliance, using it for things to give what God should be giving you. That's where it becomes the lie that Ricky talked about last week that ties into the truth and it makes you feel like it's the truth and it really is a lie. So it fits your agenda. And you see, about 15 months ago, I was on this journey and honestly, I think I'd been experiencing that if I should give up alcohol for a long time, I just never talk to Ricky about it because I was like, it's probably not that big. But it was always there. It was always there, always in the back of my head, always there, like a voice in my ear saying, is this really like what you still want to be in because I thought your story was about what you struggle with in this. So how could you speak in truth if you're still tying yourself to this? And as I began to go on that journey of thinking that, finally I got sat down and Ricky and I had many conversations and we, we were sitting in his living room, which is now my house, but um, talking about this one day. And I was, we were just conversating and we were just going back and forth. It was like playing ping pong like this, but we were just bouncing back and forth asking questions and and just really searching God's words about what he says on this stuff. And I believe it's Romans 14, talks about 
brother, making a brother stumble. Well, get this. This is where I really realized, I think back to the experiences that I've had. I went to the freight yard one time, and I was there with a gentleman who I did not know who, was, who suffered from alcoholism. Now, I asked him if he wanted to drink, and he said no, because God's spirit was able to help him in that. But that opened my eyes. That I was holding on to something because it was selfish. Because I love the taste. I, I honestly feel that it's a thorn in my side. So I began to, just, to go through this journey of discovering why I should give it up. And to understand why, I was going through some counseling stuff, and I was asking my counselor about it, and he gave me really good insight. And he gave me some really good pointers about why some liquor stores are named spirits and stuff like that. And we kind of talked about that, and he said, do you ever think of the time when you've been in alcohol and what it does to you? And I said, wait, well, yeah, I was there most of my young 20s. <laughs> He said, well, what was that like? I said, I wasn't who I was supposed to be. And I basically was holding on. At that point, I realized. And I still wasn't sold on giving it up yet after I left, and after I've had conversations with Ricky, because even, even then, I was like, well, I still don't know. That's how the conversation ended with Ricky after an hour. So I was like, well, I still don't know. But at that point in time, I had this posture apart. I said, okay, God, this is a challenge. <laughs> You're challenging me to be better. Just how he challenged Cain to be better with his words. You're challenging me to be better, so let's do this. So I got on my knees, and I said, God, tell me right now how to do this. Why? Tell me why. Tell me, tell me show me somewhere in the scripture right now to help me. And I believe I was in James at that time, and I started reading And he says, if you ought to know what is good and don't do it, consider it sin. Ricky says, when I cry, I try to talk a song, Mickey Mouse, so give me a sec. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm, getting, I'm perhaps I'm getting a little better, okay? But that was so amazing because the Father loved me so much. He wasn't ready to give up on me. He's never going to give up on you. All right? Even when you think you've done something so wrong, like Cain, he didn't give up on Cain. That's right. Came to Cain and said, well, there's repercussion. He gave him a mark so nobody would kill him. He had grace on him. He could have told Cain, well, go away. You've made it. Yeah, people. And when Cain said, people are going to kill me now, he's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to put a mark on you. So people know who you are, so you can be reminded of what you've done, but this mark will also keep your life while you're still here on earth. So at that point, what I'm saying is I had to have a posture of this. I've come to learn that the posture of this is surrendering and submission, okay? And through my life, I've learned that if I'm going to give something up and a full sacrifice, i got to be in this posture right here. You know I mean? 
without this, this begins to change. Okay? Now you don't end just with this, because what happens next when you're like this and on your knees, you turn over. seen in our history of living and existence of all the years of God's, from the beginning of this to the end, the greatest sacrifice was his son. Through his death, we have died on the cross with him in our sins. And when he rose on the third day of light, we also had life. So through the power of Jesus' death and resurrection, he gives you the Holy Spirit. He gives that to you. And you're sealed with that when you come into an acceptance and relationship with that. And see, that starts to transform your heart. And it's not going to be one big transformation at one time. But what happens is he's starting to take away and chip away the blackness, the darkness, the stone, the hardness that was there, the callousness. Because he wants you to have a heart beating for him and his kingdom and the people who don't have that. God is going to ask you to give up things the rest of your life. And it's not during this 28 days. It's not going to be just during this, these four weeks to see transformation. Transformation doesn't happen through a week, a day, or two. It happens through your lifetime. And the way that it happens through your lifetime is by sacrificing the things that will be hard. But in that, there's purpose in that. See, God's asking you to give up for a purpose. There's purpose behind why there's sacrifices being made. You see, I couldn't have been able to be up there two weeks ago with Dylan Boyd and baptize him if I didn't come to a point where I knew I had to give something up because I would have been speaking falsely. I'd have been speaking, I would have been what they say in the scriptures, a false witness or false testimony of a person. And I could, I, my love for the Lord was, no, I wasn't going to let that happen. Just two weeks ago, I told her, I was like, I'm struggling, man. I'm a, I want a drink. But no, it's not. I know I'm not going to do it because of the power of the Spirit. Because that sacrifice will forever be remembered in my heart. That I can, not me change lives, but that Jesus can use me to help change lives, to give them hope. So as you're sitting here today, there's probably been something that you've been dealing with for a very long time that God's asked you to give up. What's caused you to stop, to stop right now and start working on that? Allowing to accept fully his words to come into your heart and change that today, to transform that for you today. That's my ending question for you. What's holding you back? And it may not happen today, but I want you to go home and work on that. I want you to be on your knees. I want you to be surrendering. I want that posture of your heart to be God, that you're saying, God... There's nothing else I want more than what you want for me because what you want for me is better than anything else that I could ever want for myself. Amen. And that is so true. 
And we see that all through the history of Scripture, through your life. Don't leave today without going to God and asking Him what it is and why. Fifteen months ago, you didn't know why God was making you make that sacrifice, right? Nope, didn't know it. Dylan, fifteen months ago, God, Taylor made a sacrifice for you. Not, not that God is the one who took you out of that, but think about that for just a moment. <laughs> Taylor spoke truth through a sacrifice. Fifteen months ago, he didn't know why it was. It was for one person. Do you guys understand that for a moment? Like, he didn't know why 15 months ago. It, it's not that it was something destroying him, something that he was doing every day. It wasn't anything like that. It was so Jesus could use him to speak truth into one person. Are you guys willing to sacrifice for one person? Are you guys willing to change your life for one person? And Jesus was, right? <laughs> Jesus would have died if it was just Taylor. Hey, I don't want a church that will change their lives for one person. I won't lead a church that won't. Because that one person's worth it. We're going to baptize my, another Dylan today. That Taylor led into a relationship with Jesus, right? Taylor's testimony is powerful because he gave it up. Is your testimony powerful? Have you given up what God's called you to give up? Or are you just taking it easy? You playing a game of life and you're like, okay, it's cool. I'm going to keep offering the cane sacrifice, right? That's like, that's like the, the wilted lettuce. Here you go, God. Here's my wilted lettuce that I wasn't going to eat anyways. Here you go. Have fun with that. Then you got Abel over there. He's like, hey, here's something that I enjoy. Here's something that's going to feed me. Here's something that's going to take care of my family. Here's something that's going to make me this. Here's something that's going to make me powerful. Here's something that's going to grow me economically. And here it is. I don't want it because I don't need it because I got you and that's all I need. Do you want that kind of sacrifice today? Taylor's going to lead us in a prayer of 